This is Jason Kelly, and this is the Practicing History Podcast. This is our second episode, so for those of you who listened to last week's episode, you'll know that Practicing History is a podcast about how we do history. And by we, I'm not simply talking about professional historians, but rather I'm talking about how all of us are historians. Every day, we all speak about, think about, tell stories about, and reflect upon our pasts. And in the process of this, we develop stories and interpretations that guide our personal lives and uh, the way that our society functions. Last week, I asked the question, what is history? And I suggested that the answer wasn't that history is telling a story or it's narrating a sequence of events, but rather I said that fundamental to historical practice is the act of interpretation. This week, I want to pursue that in a little bit more detail. Uh, The act of interpretation and its role in creating histories is a fundamental concern to professional historians. And in fact, they have a term for this. It's called historiography. Now, the moment I use that term historiography in my classroom, either a look of fear comes over my students' eyes or their eyes begin to glaze over. But I would argue that historiography isn't something to be scared of or bored by, but rather it's one of the most exciting aspects of historical practice because it's fascinating to see how we interpret and reinterpret the past and how that changes the course of actions over time. professional historians spend quite a bit of time studying historiography. And the reason for this is that the interpretations that people give an event or sequence of events over time tell us an awful lot about the societies that are telling those stories and retelling those stories. We might say what happened, when it happened, and how it happened. And we often also explain why something happened. And that interpretation of the sequence of events and the understanding of causation tells us something about the people who are interpreting those historical events. Now, this makes a lot more sense if we think about the complexity of any event. Consider, for example, an automobile accident at a four-way stop intersection. Let's say two cars pull into the intersection at the same time and have a fender bender. Uh, Both drivers might disagree about the chain of causation. They have different interpretations of the events. And so consequently, they're going to tell different stories about what happened, how it happened, and why it happened. We have those two stories, but then let's add the stories of the other people in cars at the intersection. From their different vantage points, they might have seen something different than the two drivers who were involved in the accident. And perhaps they weren't paying that much of att- much attention. And so what happens is they have a particular spin on the story uh, that might uh, differ quite widely from the people who are paying direct attention. And if we have some people in the yards nearby who were looking or saw it out of their peripheral vision, then they're also going to have a different understanding of those events. Now imagine a police officer showing up on the scene and having to sort through these conflicting first-hand interpretations, and synthesizing them to write a report. In many ways, that's what a historian does. But imagine that that police report 
then is interpreted and reinterpreted by people at the station and an insurance company representative or a judge if the incident goes to court. And all of a sudden you start to see a sequence of different interpretations developing over time, building on each other, and perhaps reflecting the perspectives of the people who are telling those varied stories. The same goes for a sports event. Think about instant replay. Uh, we have cameras to capture actions. Um, for instance, if there was a foul uh, and somebody wants to check to make sure that foul was called properly, we might have several different vantage points for seeing if a foul happened. But anybody who's watched a game knows that instant replay doesn't necessarily give a clear indication of what happened. And the events, which seem to be facts on the surface, having been captured by the video cameras, nevertheless can be highly disputable. Now imagine we have multiple referees, multiple cameras, multiple newscasters, let's say 40,000 people in the stadium, 2 million home viewers, and all of these people bring a different perspective to those facts and interpret the events if it went for their team, they might interpret it as a, a good call by the referee or uh, vice versa. In history, it's analogous. Uh, uncertainty can even be more pronounced, however, because for <laughs> obviously we don't have instant replay and our facts are nearly always shaped by our informants' interpretations. And not only that, because we live in a particular historical moment, our own perspectives are shaped by what others have said and written, as well as the tenor of contemporary discussions and debates, as well as our, our own biases. Now, historiography is the process of sifting through these interpretations, and in the process also reflecting on our own process of interpretation. And what we want to do is provide a logical structure or a cohesiveness to these interpretations. So historiography, in some ways, we might think, is the process of interpreting the interpretations. And because of this, historiography necessitates that we analyze interpretations as emerging historical artifacts. When we first start to think about historiography, it might at first approach seem overly abstract. And quite often, historiographical analyses and debates can be very academic. And there's good reason for this. Just like any other discipline or field from technology to business to science has its own specialized forms of professional knowledge, historians have theirs, and historiography can be central to this. But we also shouldn't lose sight of the importance of these debates for our general understanding of history and uh, for events in a much grander scheme. Let's take, for example, the recent history of the U.S. and Iraq. Specifically, let's look at the second U.S. war in Iraq. Differing interpretations about recent history were central to government arguments about the origins of war, about going to war in the first place, and in fact, historical arguments were central to 
shaping the course of the war as well. So if we look at the beginning of the war, we see appeals to uh, arguments about weapons of mass destruction. Uh, And as the course of the war progressed, we saw people making arguments about democracy and human rights. Now, understanding these interpretations were important to everybody who was a citizen in the U.S. Their government, after all, was participating in a war uh, in their name. And was incumbent upon them to attempt to sort through various interpretations of the war, various arguments about the war, and understanding it. And what all of them were doing was, uh, in many ways, analogous to a professional practicing historiography. Multiple interpretations, we need to sort through them in order to make decisions about voting and maybe uh, even protesting the war. From the very beginning... Recent history in Iraq wasn't the only thing that was argued, however. Uh, Both advocates and critics of the war appealed to other historical moments in order to shape the Iraq war and make arguments one way or another against it. So, for example, those people who were in favor of going to war sometimes made appeals to uh, events like the Munich Pact and argued that we could no longer appease Saddam Hussein uh, very much like the Allies had appeased uh, Nazi Germany in the events leading up to World War II. Likewise, critics of the war argued against the war by interpreting the history of U.S. imperialism, for example. So as we can see, historiography and the understanding of historical interpretations is no mere academic exercise, but rather it's something that all of us do and can have very real consequences for world events. But it's not just to politics that I think historiography is important. Uh, If we start looking at changing interpretations over time, perhaps going far back into the past, perhaps back and looking at what Thucydides was arguing, as I mentioned in the last podcast, it not only provides us with knowledge about the past, but it also reminds us of how tenuous our interpretations are and how fluid the process of historical memory is. And this is important because we base our choices on our understanding of our past might even be better to say our pasts because we bring new things to history all the time and are constantly changing and rewriting our pasts. We make decisions about war, about social programs, about education based on what we sometimes hold to be inviolable truths but are in fact constantly in flux. In the realm of professional history, historiographical debates are essential to framing any argument. It helps situate the argument within the literature in the field. It helps answer why the argument is important. It answers that fundamental, all-important, so-what question. Historiography also helps point to transformations and breaks and ruptures in interpretations. Historians love to call these things turns. Historiographical arguments in professional history often focus on big questions. So, for example, what caused the scientific revolution? What were the origins of the American Revolutionary War? Why did Asia and Europe follow such different development trajectories after the 18th century? 
These professional debates can both reflect and feed into more popular debates and even governmental policies. So, for example, if we think about the historiographical uh, analysis of Atlantic slavery, these analyses generate discussions relevant to our knowledge about human rights and ethics, as well as providing a basis for discussions over reparations, social justice, and development policies. So I want to leave you today with a few thoughts. And specifically, I want to suggest that there are three basic elements to keep in mind when we interpret interpretations, when we do historiography. And these three things are data, method, and ideology. Data shapes how we do history because our physical and temporal distance from the data, did it happen a thousand years ago, did it happen five years ago, or did I see it personally last week, changes how we do our interpretations. Do we have access to data? Is data being hidden? Is data lost forever? What happens when new data emerges? So data is one of the pillars, let's say, that's central in historiographical analysis. The second thing, method. Methodological differences and theoretical models shape our interpretations. Uh, for example, methodologies and theories can help us choose which data to analyze our data sets and how we do our analysis. Are we doing quantitative analysis? Are we doing qualitative analysis? Is it even possible to do quantitative analysis? Is it possible to do qualitative analysis? Are we doing interpretations or, or analyses of visual and material culture? All of these different me methods will lead to potentially conflicting interpretations. And finally, the third thing I'd like us to think about as a basic element of historiography is ideology. Ideology is a framework for shaping how we interpret the world around us. And all of us have ideologies that shape how we uh, do history, how we practice history. And sometimes these ideologies are conscious. We have a particular point of view, and we interpret history according to that point of view. Other ideologies are non-conscious. Uh, we don't even realize that our ideologies are shaping the way we interpret events. These three things are not the only thing we need to keep in mind when we're doing historiography, but I would say that it would be impossible to do historiography well without keeping in mind data, method, and ideology. We'll have plenty more time in the future to talk about historiography, but that's going to be it for this week. So this is Jason Kelly, and this is the Practicing History Podcast. My web address is jasonmkelly.com. I'd love to hear from you. Give me your comments. Send me some suggestions for future episodes. Next week, we're going to be talking about correlation and causation. Until then, have a great week. <laughs>